Welcome to The Blind Spot, a podcast where we explore human instinctual drives through the lens of the Enneagram, nonviolent communication, and resonant healing with personal stories from individuals living real human lives. My name is Karen Nance, self-pres, social, sexual blind, three-wing two, with 371 trifix, and ENTP cognitive preferences. I hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome to The Blind Spot. I am really excited for today's episode because I have been connecting with Stephanie J through the Woman Gone Wild project with some of you may know that I joined about a year ago. And so we are going to be co-authors in a book on intuition that is coming out this fall. So I'll be sure to share more of that with you, but basically it's a group of 20-some women who are all using their intuition to manifest the next chapter of their lives or have been using intuition to manifest whatever has come to this moment. And Stephanie is Canadian, but currently living in Bangkok. And she is also a typology geek, although the Enneagram is not her forte, but she's going to learn something about Enneagram and instinctual drives today. And we're going to learn something about astrology and human design. Plus, She is an author, a metaphysical philosopher, and a sexologist. So if you've been following the podcast, you know that we've been really diving into a lot about the sexual instinct and about sexuality and how that shows up in people around the world and specifically in American culture. And so I'm really excited to have Stephanie here. Welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. So Stephanie, can you just tell us a little bit about your life journey? Maybe, you know, the two minute version of whatever, take three or four, you know, we both lead with extroverted intuition. That's one thing we can start (laughs) with, which means that time doesn't mean anything to us. We're like, oh, wait, how long is, did I just talk for two minutes or two hours? I really don't know. So (laughs) it's a funny thing about our type. So there you go. I have to say, I have never felt like so seen in the beginning of a podcast as I have with this one. I've done so many interviews. And as soon as we like got into the type, there's so many things that you said, you're like, oh, yeah, this is why you do this. And I'm like, oh, I just thought I was crazy. I didn't know that was like a type or like a thing. So uh, it's funny because when you said two to four minutes, I was about to start with saying, I'm going to do my best to actually honor the two to four minutes, but I'm not very good at that. And then you did that for me already anyways, because apparently that's part of my type. So thank you for seeing me so very clearly. I well, love and I'm going to name too that there might be more interruptions in this episode than in other episodes, because as people who lead with extroverted intuition, we tend not to see interrupting each other as a problem, but rather as a sign of engagement and excitement. Is that true for you or does it bother you if somebody interrupts you? It's so true. And it has caused many problems, especially in corporate, which... Um, you know, I'm in sales or was in sales back when I was in corporate sales is my thing. And so I was very, very good at that. But definitely when I got into more formal environments, it, it caught me into trouble. And I had to really like, can't like call it back. And sometimes even in mismatched relationships, because exactly what you said, again, you see me so well, where I, to me, the fact that you've just said something that gave me a huge download. And I just saw like, click, 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 click. And the entire world just like snapped together like a puzzle. And I have this huge thing to tell you that's like so important and super relevant to what you're saying shows to me that I'm like deeply, deeply engaged and really excited about what you're saying. And I'm participating instead of just sitting here being talked at. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people think it's rude. And I, it, we had to go, I had to go through this journey. Like, what do you mean? That's fucking rude. Like, I'm just, I'm giving you more attention than anybody in your entire life. But now I'm being called rude. Like what? Excuse you. Well, and I have the same experience. And so I'm kind of prepping listeners because I didn't realize that this was such a problem until I started podcasting. And I got three reviews mm. that are all about my interrupting and this that it's makes me self-absorbed and that, you know, I'm self-centered, that I talk like all of these things. And, you know, I think that when we're on a growth journey, when we get feedback, we get to have the opportunity to look at that and be like, huh, I'm noticing that getting a one-star review and having somebody I've never met just publicly, you know, shame me in some way feels crappy. 
And I've now decided to be a public figure. I have decided to speak out pretty tender, vulnerable things. I've decided to show up as I am right now. And that means that people are going to have a lot of different reactions to many, many different things about me. And one of the things I'll go ahead and share with listeners is that you and I both test very high on 0.3 and 0.7 energy. My suspicion is that you're probably a three like me. And the reason that we show up with so much seven energy is because we lead with extroverted intuition, which is Mm. a seven-ish energy. So that's why I love Myers-Briggs and Enneagram together, because it really can explain why does this point three look so different from that point three? And I'll go ahead and reveal that you're also sexual, social, self-pressed blind, whereas I'm self-pressed, social, sexual blind. So even though we're going to sound similar on this podcast, there'll be things about our story that are very different because you're being led by your sexual instinctual energy and I was being led by self-press social. And like the obvious thing that just pops out to me is that this is why I became a doctor, a pretty conservative, typical role, moved to the suburbs, got married at 23 and had four kids. That is a self-press social (laughs) narrative. My sexual instinct has been coming online in the last 10 or 11 years. Whereas for you, it sounds like, I mean, you're in Bangkok, like, you know, you have been (laughs) blowing up the world. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing so that listeners can see this is what somebody who leads with the sexual instinct looks like versus somebody who leads with self-pres. Yeah, totally. I'm just making a note here because I don't want to forget that point because this is another survival technique I have learned on podcasts. And let me just, the one thing that came to me that I really want to share to you, and then I'll go into my, my journey a little bit is like, you know, podcast reviews kind of fucking piss me off sometimes. As far as I'm concerned, this is your fucking podcast. And if you want to like talk the whole goddamn, goddamn time, like I'm your guest. Thank you for having me here. If I sit here and look pretty and you monopolize the whole conversation, it's your face on the thing. It's your, this is your home. I am a guest they're here to hear you, not really to hear me, not as much anyways, right? Like they're your audience. And so I don't know, I kind of say that person should go fuck themselves. But anyways, <laughs> well, I just want to name, this through. is sexual energy. <laughs> and this is why my podcast is labeled as explicit. Stephanie asked me if she could swear. And I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, but listeners probably know that because I'm self-pressed social, my swears kind of slip out in this little more oh, I just want to mix things up a little bit and drop a swear here. Whereas if you lead with sexual instinctual energy, like swearing is juicy. It is fun. It's just got this energy to it that if you're sexual blind, just notice you might be having a reaction to it. And that's okay. These are just the ways instinctual energies show up. And it helps us to just understand what energies we're with. And if it's something we are less comfortable with, we can ask ourselves, why? What is that telling me? about my programming, about what's in my shadow. And so I love my people that come on to be very authentic. And I noticed that even when Stephanie was like, you do you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, that feels so scary. you know. And that's why <laughs> I'm leaning into embracing a little bit more of, yeah, this is my color and flavor. And some people may not like it because we know yeah. that the sexual instinctual energy is all about attraction and repelling. It's like, you're gonna like what you like and you're gonna not like what you don't like. And people who are sexual dominant really get that and they don't feel like they have to apologize for it. Whereas people who are self-pres dominant, when my sexual energy sneaks out and I'm just being how I am, I immediately have like a flush of shame because I'm wondering Mm. what you're thinking about me and I'm like now editing and I'm worried. And so I think that both are true. Obviously, sexual instinctual energy is important and self-pres energy is important. So I love what Stephanie's saying. And I feel also very seen and very safe in this context. And I also care about my listeners, you know. So for me, I think that knowing what my default programming is, listeners may notice that in my last few episodes. If you want to listen to those and then go back and listen to like some of my first 10 episodes, there's a very different flavor to the way that I'm working with my energy. You know, sometimes we work on containing energy. 
sometimes we need to let that energy fly. So I think that that changes throughout our life. And if we can just do an honest self-assessment and say, what is more needed now? Is it containment or is it freedom? Because if we're too buttoned up and contained, where's the life? And if we're too out there and chaotic, we're going to run into problems. So I wish listeners could even see us because is it okay if I describe um, your appearance, Stephanie, people know what I look like. And if you go check out Stephanie, you'll see, but she's got like the coolest purple hair, you know, she's got (laughs) a piercing in her lip. Like she just looks cool. She looks, this is a little bit more, she's got a flavor and you don't have to have these monikers to be sexually instinctually dominant. But like, if you see me, I'm in like a gray sweater with, you know, whatever, just kind of it's just self-pressed social. It's like what you would see. It's like go to middle America and just look at a random professional person. And that's just kind of what they look like. And so (laughs) I am trying to lean into a little more of, Ooh, if I had some color, if I had some flair, what would that look like? And as a sexual Mm. blind three, the embarrassing thing is that I don't even know. And so I love surrounding myself with people who have sexual instinctual energy is more dominant because you're like showing me how to do that. It's really cool. So why don't you pick up now? I don't know where we are. Yeah. I don't know where we are either. <laughs> Although I will add that I also have two nose rings and 18 tattoos. So there just you go. for that is, additional yeah. flavor. <laughs> because it's like that love of intensity. Like I want to get a tattoo, but I am terrified of the pain which (laughs) is also like this safety self-pres thing. Like I'm very safe, even though when it comes to ideas, because my extroverted intuition is just like, oh, let's just like push that button. So like in the social realm, sometimes I'll just say something to see what happens. And people are kind of like, whoa, did you just say that? Mm -hmm. But that's also because extroverted feeling is my 10-year-old function. It's my third out of eight. So over 50% of women have extroverted feeling as their number one or number two energy. Whereas for me, it's number Mm. three. So it's on my radar, but I screw it up all the time. That's why I'm social middle. You know, I can sense what's happening in the social realm, but I don't quite get it. I definitely make mistakes and I'm very surprised and hurt and say, oh, can't you see me for my intention when it happens? Whereas for an ENFP, you have extroverted feeling in your sixth function, which archetypically is the critical parent, which means that when you kind of see that everybody else is doing something just because it's the social construct that we're operating in, you're going to be like, seriously, really? Is that what you're doing, people? (laughs) Let me show you how it could be. And so why don't you use that as your platform to talk about like why you're a sexologist and a metaphysical philosopher? And what are you here to show us that those of us with more extroverted feeling may not have as much connection to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Again, feeling very seen. So that is wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we've we've been talking about the three and the seven and the dance that I have between that. And before we hit the record button, we were also talking about how I'm a Leo, which is, I feel very seven energy um, in, in most placements, but also I'm a Virgo. I have a lot of Virgo. And if you know astrology, like my first house is in Virgo, my Mercury is in Virgo. I have a lot of Virgo going on. I don't know it very well. Will you tell us what Virgo and Mercury are? Like, like, because we haven't talked a lot about astrology, but I'm dabbling into it. And I'll just put out there that I'm an Aquarius with a lot of Sag all over my chart. So why don't you talk about your chart a little bit and talk about mine and just so that listeners who are curious about astrology could learn more and decide if this is another typology that they want to start incorporating. Yeah, totally. Um, So Leo being the lion ruler is the sun. So the sun is big, it's bright, it's glitzy. Um, You know, a lot of, well, a lot of celebrities are all, uh, but when you think of like your stereotypical, really big celebrity, like, you know, your Jennifer Lopez, she's a Leo as an example. Is Rhonda a Leo? Rhonda, I think is a Gemini. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, or maybe cancer. This is the woman who is helping us with the book project. Yeah. She's she's got loads of Leo energy. Like I'm guaranteed there's going to be Leo in her chart somewhere. I haven't seen it, but I I feel like her birthday is in June, which would put her closer to cancer. I could be misremembering, but I I think that's correct. Um, And the reason I say this is because, so Leo, fun-loving, loyal, 
royal, like I'm all about luxury. I, I love my fancy things. I love my finer things. Like I am not here to scrape by. I am here for wealth, luxury, like good, beautiful, rare experiences. Um, the Virgo, on the other hand, is very like, like doctor. She's the doctor energy, very meticulous. She's the healer. And so they can be at odds in a lot of cases. Ironically, they're right next to each other. So in the chart, it goes from Leo into Virgo, which is why I have so much of both. That's why eight Um, and nine wings, you know, they can look so different, but they're right next to each other. They're not as different as you think, and yet they're incredibly different. It's like yin yang, and yet same family. Right. And I guess, yeah, so I'm thinking like the three is very Virgo, but a Virgo could also be very eight energy, which is, I think, the challenger, right? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Virgo and threes could also and be very can mistype. I mean, threes and eights can mistype. So, you know, if you're a really intense three, sometimes you think you're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've, I've had friends that have told me that. And they're like, I think I'm bipolar. I'm like, no, 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 you're just you. Don't worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as my journey is concerned, I, I say this, and I've noticed this a little bit in you as we've been kind of chatting with the Aquarius and Sage, which was uh, Sagittarius, which I'll get to in a minute. But basically, there's the fun loving. I just want to have a good time. I just want everyone to be in the state of love and joy and pleasure and luxury all the time. Like that's the Leo. And I feel like that's a very seven energy. And then there's the Virgo, which is like the high performer. You got to do it right. It's got to be perfect. You must achieve, right? And it's like very perfectionistic energy. And I have, when you listen to my life story, there's so much of both. And you can really see this like attempt at dancing and balancing and sometimes going too far in one direction and then having to swing back the other way. So to kind of go into that, what I really define as like my early life, I'm 34 now for everybody to know my, I consider my early life, everything before I was 30 was characterized. Yes. With a lot of fun and definitely with a lot of like, you know, unabashed being myself. I started a first, my first business at 19 that was all around sex. So very much in the sexuality space, I've always been very interested in the sex energy. What was but the first was business? Always what was the first business? Sex toys. Okay. Yeah. Selling sex toys. Uh, the company still exists now. It's called, it's an MLM actually, which people might not like MLMs. I think every, MLMs are amazing. What's every, an MLM? I learned more in my ML, multi-level marketing. So like okay. Tupperware. Yeah. I went to one of those parties. Oh yeah. I know what those are. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. some great so stuff. I was like the youngest one in Canada <laughs> and like broke a bunch of records and got very much in my achiever, which was great because it allowed me to balance both because I'm like, oh, I'm selling sex toys and I'm in my sexual energy and I get to run my own business and be my own boss and be a perfectionist. And it was really great. And a lot of my life has been like this weird dance between doing like the corporate thing and then something that was fun and cool. Like I've always had two jobs um, or at least two. So I would do the standard corporate sales job and had a really successful corporate career, but then I would be a DJ on the side or I would be, you know, selling sex toys out of my, the back trunk of my car, like actually quite literally at the age of 19. Uh, So I always had, or I got really into competitive sports for a little while. So that was a big hobby of mine. And what's interesting about this is uh, the reason I call this my pre-life is even though that was very much a natural expression of me. I didn't realize until I had what like a pretty serious breakdown moment, but everyone has that big rock bottom that changes everything happens somewhere in their life. For me, that happened at 29. You'll have more of them. You're just not old enough yet. <laughs> yeah. Let me just give you the preview. Yeah. There's not just one. <laughs> I think I'm on my fourth one. So yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Um, I was really hoping one and done, but that's okay. Cause you get better with each one, right? Oh yeah. I think they're um, shocked. So that just means you're more refined. Yeah. yeah. It just means you're just transcending to a new level of consciousness. It's painful. Yeah. And it was, it really was. Um, I basically went through a a period of everything in my life, just dissolving around me. I was engaged. I had like the perfect dreamboat partner. We had a massive wedding social, which is a very Canadian thing to do. It's basically a big party. There's 800 people there. So you can imagine the like size and reach of our social network. And that relationship came crashing down um, because I had been willfully ignoring what I knew to be a a very severe cocaine addiction for four years. And I just like didn't want to fucking look at it. And then he OD'd in my kitchen and I had to look at it. And so that was a whole process. Um, There there was that. And because he and I were so entwined, my social group completely dissolved that I had very carefully curated for the last, you know, my basically my entire 29 years. I had friends that had been friends of mine for 20 years. That fell apart. It put a huge damper on my my 
family because I didn't tell them right away. And then when I did tell them what was going on, they were all very mad at me for not telling them. And it just shattered basically everything. It brought everything to the ground. I got diagnosed with depression, acute anxiety, PTSD, or technically complex post-traumatic distress disorder, because once the addiction came out, there was a lot of abuse that was happening. And so it was a really, really tough Saturn return. If you're again into astrology, you'll know the Saturn return happens around 30. And it's usually a let's break shit up and explode everything time. And it really was for me. And that brought me into realizing, and now for the last four years, I guess almost five years now, I've been in this constant state of like peeling off the layers of social conditioning, like, and really getting curious, like, why do I want to do that? Like, oh, okay, I have this like really strong drive to be really successful in corporate that did me really, really well in my early career. I was very successful. And why was I doing that? Like, who was that for? Was that for me? Or was that to prove to my parents? Because I was basically raised poor. And my I was the first person to go to university in my entire family. And let me pause you because that's a very point three thing. Our defense structure Mm. is identification, which means we take on the shadow values of our parents. So like if your parents were Mm. poor, you're going to be successful and you're going to be the one that makes it. So um, once again, you know, what is it that was important to your parents? What is it that they didn't necessarily have as much of for themselves that their dream is for you? And you're just going to be automatically like a sponge. You don't even know you're taking it in and that that's what's running the programming. Mm. But what part of the sexual instinctual energy, what it does is it actually allows you to be like, you develop this repulsion against whatever it was that you were identifying with unconsciously. And the sexual instinctual energy starts coming out often in unhealthy ways when we're not conscious. So that's probably what the addiction was because you're seeking the intensity of the cocaine and all of that, that is much more likely in a sexually instinctual dominant person. I mean, I'm self-pressed dominant. I didn't use marijuana until like a year ago when it was legal and I was a doctor (laughs) and had studied it for like four years first. You know, it's like, that's just yet another difference between self-pressed sexual instinctual energies. So the other thing I wanted to highlight is that with your Myers-Briggs as an ENFP, you're leading with extroverted intuition and introverted feeling, which is all about, this is what feels right for me. Like this is who and what I am. And I don't really care what the rest of the world says. Like this is me. And it's kind of big and a little crazy and a little intense, but yet you have a 10 year old extroverted thinking function, which we call effectiveness, which is, and what are you doing with that? And so you're actually very good at driving outcomes and having a successful business and taking something across the finish line, but not as good as somebody who leads with that. We're going to be, I just interviewed a gentleman who is an ENTJ. He leads with extroverted thinking. He was like literally leading like a revolution in Egypt during the Arab sun or whatnot. You know, like that's kind of, I'm leading with that. You know, whereas when you're an ENFP, you can do it but your kind of fun, random part of yourself is probably going to dominate most of the time until you get anxious. And then you're going to lock in extroverted thinking and be like, I got to get my shit together. And you're going to do, 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 do. And because it's a 10 year old function, you can get caught in a loop and you've got to now come back to your value system to pull yourself out of the loop sometimes. So I just wanted to kind of highlight some of the pieces you were sharing since this is a typology episode and we're also just showing how this shows up in our lives while we hear about your cool story. Well, and that's really cool because that's basically exactly what, especially the last three years of my life have been is this idea of like, I'm going to do this thing because it feels really good and I'm going to trust. And, you know, I had this huge spiritual awakening and and this massive coming into myself. And when all of those things happen, you know, I met my, who is now my, my life partner at the time would have been defined as like a twin flame. We, we talked about that a little bit in the pre-show and he and I just like, I blew my life apart again. So it kind of got blown apart the first time. And then I started to like piece it back together. But with that do, 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 like, oh shit, everything's falling around. I have to grab it all. I have to catch it all. I have to do things. I have to put my corporate job back in and actually became more successful to your point. Um, even more than I had been previously, I spent the next two years really grinding, but then I, I burnt out. And then I met this like twin flame energy who was like, why are you in corporate? What are you doing there? Like, we could do so many cool things together. Let's run a retreat business. And I was like, cool. What's Let me, his like, Myers-Briggs type? Corporate. Any idea? 
I know what he says he is. And I actually kind of want to call bullshit on a lot of it because I, after now four years of us being together and living together, running a business together and traveling the world together, I'm pretty sure it's all wrong. Um, but he will <laughs> tell you, <laughs> he will tell you he's an ENFP. And if there's any human design people in here, well, astrology, he's got five Scorpio placements and that's definitely accurate. He's all Scorpio all the time. Transformation, death, rebirth. Tell us what that means. Um, oh, transformation, death, rebirth. That's Scorpio. Okay. Intensity, uh, sexual drive. Like it's uh, really like mystical. Can be very moody, very like stinger. If you get him in the wrong mood, it's like a thing. Um, so that's definitely right. But even his human design, uh, he types as the same human design as me, which is a four six uh, manifesting generator. And when I look at the way I relate to to other humans, I'm like, yeah, I'm told four six. 100% and we can explain what that means in a minute as well. But when I see the way he relates to humans like it just isn't I it's just I don't think it's right. I think his mom fucked up his birth time is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So when you say you think his human design isn't right because the birth time isn't right because human design theory relies on the time of birth. Correct. Yeah, human design re relies on the time of birth. I have three friends that were born on the same day as me and we're all very different. Um, obviously we're all Leos, but we all have very different human design profiles and they're like, they're just different flavors, right? I've, Let's go look every, at that. Every type gives you different flavors. Because people are going to wonder now. I know we're all over the place, but it's okay. We'll maybe come back. And if we don't, it doesn't matter. So tell yeah. us something about human design and, you know, we're going to look at my chart compared to your chart and you're going to educate us a little bit because I think it's a cool thing that I just discovered last year. And we're going to learn a little bit about you and we'll learn a little bit about what all of this is by uh, hearing this. Yeah, cool. So while you're pulling that up, um, in the basics, like honestly, so again, I'm not I'm not certified. I'm just a self proclaimed nerd, and I just love this shit a lot. So I, when I found it, it to me was a huge permission slip to do a lot of things the way that I had always felt intuitively to do them, but that corporate or you know regular professional development said don't do things this way. So even if, and human design, just like astrology and just like Enneagram can sometimes be like this deep black hole that people want to go into. And it's like, you'll never come out the other end alive. Um, but you really don't, again, just like Enneagram for some people, just knowing the three or the seven is enough. Um, in astrology, sometimes just knew it, knowing your son is enough. In human design, you have five energy types. And sometimes just knowing those things is enough for you to, and and maybe your authority is enough for you to really understand so much about yourself and have a lot of aha moments. So I'll start with 70% of the human population is what we call a generator or a manifesting generator. So that's the majority of humans. Uh, that type is a type that has consistent access to their own source of energy. So we're the type of people that can wake up, that can hustle, that can grind. And as long as it's something that we enjoy, we genuinely enjoy, we've got energy for fucking days for it. Like we could literally do it from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. until 6 a.m. the next morning, maybe with a nap and we'll be fine. As long the caveat, super important caveat, it has to be something we actually want to be doing. So this doesn't mean we're a workhorse for other people or we can just like sit at a computer and type like a slave. It has to be something that we want to do. And we have to have this inner, they call it the sacral authority. To me, it feels like either an expansion or a contraction in my gut that tells me if this is a thing I should be working on or not. And it's actually how I decide how I plan my day and how I run so many different businesses. And it was one of the ways I had been very successful, especially in sales, because I had allowed that expansion and contraction intuitively without knowing it was a thing to decide how I planned my day. Then, of course, that got conditioned out of me because everyone's like, you need to have routine and you need to have structure and you have to do things in this specific way and blah, 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 blah. And so I stopped listening to that. And when I came back to human design and I learned that I'm a manifesting generator and I have this natural open, close, like yes, no gut response, I was like, I almost wanted to table flip because I was like, this is how I was leading my life. It was working really well. And then all these professional development people came in and told me it was wrong. I changed it. I forced myself to do something that didn't feel right. And now I'm learning that that was actually the wrong way of doing it. So I was like both very annoyed and very proud of myself. Do I have um, this open and closed gut response thing on my chart as you're looking at it here? What are you looking at? You do not. Because so I don't not, have that. I'm like, yeah, that's, I, I like kind of, no. I'm learning to have that. To me, that is my connection 
with the body center and actually that probably the connection with like sexual instinctual energy, which gives you your yes or gives you your no, I've had to cultivate that. That's been not yeah. something that I feel like I have easy access to. And it does feel like a gift. But what do I have? What, what's my chart saying I do? You got tons of gifts. So, and this is interesting too. One of the things that I love when I look at your chart, which obviously maybe, I don't know if you're going to post a picture of it or on your Instagram or something so people can see, but, I will, and you yeah. can share mine too, if you want, that's okay. also totally fine. I'll send it to you after. That's perfect. Uh, what you'll love is that our charts are literally exact opposites. Like I've literally never seen a chart that's so perfectly my opposite before. It's actually pretty eerie to me. So your energy type is called a projector. A projector is about 20% of the population. So you're the second most common type, which is still not a lot when you consider 70%. Projectors and everything else that's left, so the other types are reflectors and manifestors, are non-energy types. So you do not have the sacral yes-no, and you don't have your own energy, which means you need a lot more rest than... or And rest doesn't mean like sleeping. It just means downtime whatever that means for you, then the standard human, like for a projector at 12 hour workday, you might as well give them a death sentence. Like they'll do it if they have to, especially again, if survival instinct is very high, which in your chart, I can see that it is, you would have very high survival instinct based on your spleen being uh, colored in, which is this triangle on the left. And let me just so you'll comment learn. on that because yeah. yeah, my first seven years. So, I mean, I became a doctor, which anybody who knows what medical training is like, and this was before they legislated an 80 hour work week, you know, so now that I used to work way more than 80 hours a week. And wow. the good thing was that I just got so fueled by the energy of the patients and the collaborative nature of being on like a hospital team and my gift as a healer, and you can tell me if this shows up anywhere, but I walk into a patient's room and I just feel really open. And I actually feel like my energy, there's like a bridge that forms between my body and their body. And I can actually feel what's going on inside of them on a physical yep. and emotional and like all these different levels. And I can, it feels like that their experience is becoming mine. And now I just know what to do in that survival way. It feels like the spleen thing. It's like, I come into your energy, I gather all the data, I pull it back into my spleen and I'm like, this is what we need for this person to survive. And that's very self-pres instinctual dominant. And that's how I heal. And I tell people, you know, I have found really crazy things in patients that there's no reason why I should have known what I've known or you know, I, I always, I call it the spidey sense. And I just yep. tell people like, I take care of a lot of worried well, you know, people who are just stressed out and not living according to their human design. And so this is why they're sick. And so those people, we can relax. This is a journey. It's taken me 49 years. You know, you're not going to figure this out in the next five minutes, but we can <laughs> relax. But like, if you come into my office and my spidey sense starts going off, oh, things are going to happen. Like we find it out, we deal with it, we keep you alive so that you can continue the rest of your journey. And now not all the time, obviously, but I always say that I'm very head in the clouds. I'm very open energetically. I'm super, yep. super floaty until it's life or death. And if it is life or death, you probably want me on your team. Like this force kind of takes me over where it's like, yeah, get out of the way. Yeah, I love that. And a lot of that, it really is like the the projector energy. So projectors, A, I like to consider them like the, they're like the seers. They're not the mystics necessarily, but they're they're like the teachers of the new, the new earth, essentially. And you can think of them as the ones that are going to, just like a really good teacher, that are going to see the question you're about to ask before you even ask it. Like that's the magic. That's why of a I interrupt. Projector. I'm saving time. I already know what your question is. Why do I have to wait exactly. for you to say it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. And I've already got the answer, and I've got three other things I want to say as a result of that. Right? Like that's projector on, we only energy. have like we're, we have one life right now, and let's just like you know get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the other thing that's really cool about projectors is that they have what's called a, a penetrating aura. So they literally have the ability to feel into, it's really what you were describing, that ability to feel into other people. And 
a lot of times it's good that you know, like you have so much awareness on this because a lot of people well, you know, actually when I was coaching in this area too, a lot of people would come to me, they'd be projectors and they wouldn't know what personality was theirs because whoever they're around, they're picking up. And you'll notice in your chart, you have a lot of white, white means undefined. So that means you don't have your own style of energy wherever it's white. And so there's a lot of white in your chart, which means you're picking up energy from other people in all of those charts, amplifying it, and then feeling it deeper and then putting it back out into the world. So it's really common for projectors to think that they have a lot of energy, but that's just because they're married to somebody that has an energy type or their co-partner or the doctor that they like being on a team with. Like you just find, um, you know, I like to be in the team environment and feeling the energy of the team. Yeah, well, 70% of the human population is generators. So when you get into a team, guaranteed, like just statistically speaking, there's going to be a couple in there and you would literally, your sacral is the the white circle that you see here. Um, you would literally pull in their sacral energy and that becomes your motor. So it's not like That's you're so incapable. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love that because the thing that is interesting for me is that my mom and my dad, they're an ESFJ and an ESTJ and my sister is an ENTJ. So all of these EJs, like, I mean, they, whatever, they're generators or manifesting generators. Like I came from this family unit where like one of the things that's the hardest for me about my family is that when we have a holiday, I need to just sit on the couch and rest. Like I want to just get takeout and I want to just play cards and I need to not work. Whereas they all want to have the crystal and the china and the placemats and the gifts. And like, it is such a huge production. And Mm -hmm. they think I'm incredibly lazy, self-centered and just let them do all the work. And it's like, you guys don't understand. This is the holiday. I have just worked my ass off all week and I cannot do Christmas this way. Like I cannot, you know, for Mother's Day, just let me be alone. Like that's what I want. (laughs) And so, and I think that this is why I'm also attracted to nines. My listeners know that the point nine energy is just a rest and let be energy. And I think because in my professional life and in my family life, I am surrounded by all of these eight, three, seven, one type energies that I just need a break from it. And honestly, now that I am 49, the part of the reason I'm changing my life as my babies are all in high school now and getting ready to launch is I'm like, I cannot live the second half of my life in the crazy 0.3 self-pres three workaholic way that I lived the first half. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be producing, but it's really uncomfortable to just be imagining an entire different way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's such a beautiful description of the journey that like every projector has to go through, because let's be honest, this is a world that's built expecting you to have limitless energy. Everybody expects that. What, what do you mean you can't work a 12 hour job and then take care of your four kids and have the China and the silverware out? And we, you mean you're not a superhero? Like 70% of the world thinks they're a superhero, which actually nobody should be conditioned into doing those things. But We've built society around this idea that like the worker bee and the hustle and the workaholic is the way to do it. And anyone that's a non-energy type, so again, the projectors, the reflectors, and the manifestors are going to have this shadow of, I just genuinely don't have it in me. But everybody thinks I'm a selfish dick if I don't show up for them but I know I'm not selfish and I know I just don't have it. And now I feel like I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or I'm less than, or I'm broken or there's something wrong with me because I genuinely can't do it. Or if you do force it, then you get sick or you hurt yourself. Right. Well, you're literally saying the conversation I had with my mom last night and I'm going to go ahead and let these tears even like be here in this Mm. episode because it's really hard for my parents to see me shifting in this way. And I literally told my mom, I'm like, mom, if I don't start shifting, I'm going to get cancer and I'm going to die. And she said, don't be ridiculous. Why would you even say that? And I'm like, Mm. because I know that it is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because I watch it in other people all day. And that's yep. the thing. And this is this survival part of the spleen. It's like, because of my structure and because of the life that I led, this is what I did. And you know, there's this feeling of when you say you take on the energy of others and I had these four kids and I just was really deeply committed to like doing for them. You know, it's that mm -hmm. self-press social. And like, now I'm like, I joke, I tell people, I'm like, I have like PTSD from raising four kids. I'm like, oh, it my was gosh. like so intense. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I just don't like children. And they're like, but you had four of them. I'm like, but now they're teenagers. Thank God, I feel like I've made it to the other side. And I'm mm. like, kids are just so much fucking work. And yeah. we were just talking about this book, The School for Good Mothers, which is all about how society shames mothers who the projectors are probably more sensitive to it than anybody else. Because yep. you're like, I just can't do motherhood the way that, you know, Pinterest and Instagram is telling me that I should be a mom. And that's really a part of my mission is to say, there's a lot of fucked up stuff happening in society right now. And yes, that's why is. I'm in this book. And this is why my intuition has led me to this place and where it's going from here. Hey, we're going to find out. But I just felt like it was authentic to share how real that is for me. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that like knowing that it it's hard no matter how like no matter how many life stages you've gone through your parents not accepting you is fucking hard and i like my parents so the day that i quit corporate and it just so that there's a similarity that we have here the day that we i quit corporate i actually didn't tell my mom i waited until literally because they were so proud of this like multi six figure women woman in tech uh corporate career small town canada that's like not a thing that happens like i worked my fucking ass off to get there. So quitting was going to be, I was a star child. Right. And so when I quit, I literally called my mom as I was driving out of the parking lot on my last day to tell her and she dropped the phone and started crying. And it was a really big deal for her that I had made this decision. And it was very hard for her to understand even me. And where I think we maybe have a little bit of differences because I've always had that, like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want drive. My parents learned probably through a little bit of trauma at a very, when I was very young, that like, they can't make me do anything I don't want to do. So like, we had a lot of friction when I was a teenager. And so by the time I was, you know, 29 and leaving corporate, it, she was shocked, but she knew better than to be rude about it. Right. But she was like visibly shocked. Then I got into the sex space and I started talking about sex online and I started showing, being more provocative in my uh, social media pictures and like allowing people to see more parts of my body. And because I feel we should be allowed to see those parts of our bodies. I got to tell you, the phone call that I got from her was not a happy phone call. It was not a nice <laughs> phone call. It like, it was everything you would expect a mom saying to their daughter, like, it's not like I was doing porn or anything, but I might as well have been in her mind. She might as well have just found me doing porn. She was that mad. And I, I just feel like it's no matter what your Enneagram is, no matter what your type, any of your typology is at the end of the day, every human on this planet has been conditioned to be someone that they are not everyone. And it is our journey to come back to who we are meant to be. And these typologies, they're, they're a, a path to that. They're different roads towards finding yourself, to peeling off all the bullshit that has been slapped onto you by your parents, by culture, by your friends, by whoever. And if that is the hardest fucking work that you could ever do. And it doesn't matter if you're 19 or 99, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say about it. And it's always going to be hard. Because we want to be accepted by the people that we love. You know, we want to be accepted by our parents. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes they just don't want to fucking do it. And we just got to be okay with that. But it's hard. And I, I feel you in that a lot. Like, I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just even vibing with you even more now. Because part of my sexual blind spot work has been that for my 49th birthday this year, I actually went and did boudoir photography. And, <gasps> you know, yeah. Right. And on my 49th birthday... I decided, so anyway, I thought the pictures, they were fun. And once again, it wasn't doing porn. It was wearing a piece of lingerie that basically had more skin coverage than most bathing suits you see at the beach. Mm -hmm. But it was sexy. It was erotic. And I decided to show them to my mother because I am just starting to be more authentic. 
And literally the very first response was, who are you going to let see these pictures? Like, and it was like this really intense thing that came out of me where I'm like, well, I hadn't even thought of who I was going to let see these pictures, but her reaction actually spurred me to post one on Facebook. And Amazing. the funny thing is, is that I did it in the most self-pres way ever was that I was like really connecting with my journey. And so I posted a picture of myself at nine and 19 and 29 and 39 and 49 was one of these boudoir photography shots. Oh, I love and, it. And so it was small. It was like, you know, one, one singular picture thing. It was subtle. It's like, if you're just scrolling through Facebook, you might not have even seen it, but it was there and some people saw it. And like, and just knowing like, wow, this isn't something that a self-pres social doctor, mother of four in the suburbs, like puts on her page. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why I'm inviting myself to talk about these topics, inviting myself to be real, inviting other people to be real, because there are women like you who are blazing the way and you make women like me feel braver. And I think it's mm. important for me to make women who aren't as brave as me feel a little braver. It's like, we're all somewhere on the brave continuum. And I just think that like when somebody is not overlapping with us at all it's hard to identify with them and you're just kind of like oh i would never do that, that person's just crazy yeah but i think it's I've really important to, <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's important to find the person that's one or two notches braver than you but where you actually want to be moving to and where you want to be and yeah. so wherever you listener are on your continuum of bravery who is it in your life that encourages you to be authentic and brave and who is it in your life that is making you feel a little bit of shame and or stuck? And I think that that is a really important thing to keep tuning into. And I like to think about, you know, we don't want to just throw ourselves into the deep end of the pool. So like if, you know, completely turning your life upside down and I mean, doing things that to you seem outrageous, I mean, you don't want to go outside your own comfort zone, but where is your place of stretch? How much more intimacy are you willing to invite? How much more authenticity? How much more color and flavor do you feel comfortable with? And for some people that might just be like dressing a little differently. For somebody mm -hmm. else, it might be exploring sexually. For somebody else, it might be like quitting your corporate job and moving to Bali and like starting a whole new world. You know, like there's a million yep. different ways that we can do this. And I think that it's important though to just even do the check-in and say, what is the balance of bravery versus stagnation I'm a little bit in. But if you're in a system that's working for you, we don't always have to change. I mean, it's not, we're, we lead with extroverted intuition. So our bias is going to be, we should be always changing. And that's also not true. Sometimes we need to ground. Sometimes we need to get into a ritual, into a routine, put down some roots and just kind of chill out for a little bit. So it's all about an honest self-assessment. Well, in that stage that you're talking about there, that rooting is definitely the, the life stage that I'm in right now. So, you know, I spent three years right before COVID happened. I just happened to leave the country, trying to run a retreat business, just happened to go. And then, you know, COVID happened and everything got locked down. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just keep traveling then. Cool. I'm, you know, I'm a sex coach. I can do that anywhere. And so I've, I've spent the last three years never really living anywhere longer than six months. You know, I've been in Mexico, Peru, Guatemala, um, Bali. I did a couple road trips through the US once it opened up again and through Canada when it opened up. And then now I've settled in Bangkok. And I've actually only been in Bangkok for a month. But I really truly believe that we all have cycles. We all have this natural rhythm. Uh, it's actually a universal principle, right? The universal law of rhythm. And that is not sustainable forever. And probably it shouldn't have been sustainable for three years, but I'm stubborn sometimes. Um, and so now we finally found a place where I, it feels good to, to root. And for the first time in my life, I feel like the 19 year old that just, cause we sold everything, right. I had didn't bring anything with me. I have a couple backpacks worth of belongings. And so I feel like the 19 year old that just moved out of their parents' house for the first time. And I'm like such a bachelor, like I don't have plates. We had, I've spent the last month buying sheets, plates, you know, bedding, you know, this beautiful four bedroom house and it has no fucking furniture in it. God, I wish I could give you everything I own. My fantasy, because I have been rooted for 25 years and this house, this 2,800 square foot, four bedroom house that I've raised four kids in just feels so 
heavy. And I'm like telling everybody, I'm here for three more years until my youngest graduates high school. And literally, I'm going to find a two-bedroom condo somewhere and put in it whatever that two-bedroom condo needs. And I'm not even going to touch anything in this house. I'm just going to invite anybody off the street to come in and just take any and everything. And whatever is left over, a donation truck will roll up. I'm like not even going to use the psychic energy to go through this stuff, which will also kill my mom because she Mm. has kept all of those things for 76 years in her home and was hoping to pass them on to me. And I'm just like, no, like anything physical like that just feels like weight. And so what you're describing, it just, it, once again, there's the polarity. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I went through that though, right? I mean, I went through the stage of burning everything down three years ago. I mean, I had a a two bedroom condo, which as a 20 year old single person was like pretty cool to have this big two bedroom condo in downtown Winnipeg and yada, yada. And I had it filled with lots of cool stuff. And I had the fancy sports car. Like I was living the like external 3D realm dream when I just woke up. What it looks like on the outside was I just woke up one day and was like, let's just pour some gas on it and burn it all to the ground. And I'm going to go run a retreat in Costa Rica. That's what it looked like to my friends and family. I had spent two years of inner work to get to that point, but I hadn't talked about it. So to them, they were just like, Oh my God, like, did you just get schizophrenic? Like what just happened? Are you okay? And I lost a lot of friends because of that. Cause no, like they were not okay with that version of me. So I feel like I've been that stage I've done I've one round of it. I'll probably do it again. But now I'm like, cool. I've been in this like, feels like I've been in a washing machine for the last three years. You know, if you can kind of like really feel into the, like just the constant spinning and evolution and stripping off more layers and going to this retreat and getting this certification and launching this business. And then I don't like that. I just still have the house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally have been there too. It's just, I have the house and you know, it's the, it's amazing how four kids, they require a little more rootedness. I mean, they don't for sure, but yeah, it's just like, the changes that have been happening in my life over the last few years, it's the, I feel like in a washing machine and I would love to kind of settle the changing on some way, but not the physical form. Like the physical Mm. form needs to loosen and flow, but like what's Mm -hmm. happening internally, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be ready for a pause soon. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's not that I, again, I don't know much about the, like the sexual versus the, what was the one that you have dominant? It's preservation. Preservation. Yep. Self-preservation. And I feel like that's such a really interesting, so we're both going through that same, like, I feel like I'm in a washing machine and my life is just like, wow, but I'm seeing it also very externally because I'm just like, cool, let's just like go and like, cool, let's, oh, I don't feel like being in Costa Rica anymore. Let's move to Bali. Oh, I don't want to be in Bali anymore. Let's move to Bangkok. Now I'm in Thailand. Now I'm going back to Canada. Now I'm going wherever. Whereas for you, I feel like it's been a very, seems like it's been very internal and you're like waiting for the right moment to allow, it's like, the inner has shifted and the external has to catch up with me. It was like the external shifted and then the inner had to catch up. That's exactly what's happening. Like it's, I love your use of language. I love the way that you describe. It's just right on. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I love that we see each other so clearly. It's really, really neat. (laughs) Well, I think it's because we have enough of our type structure that is the same. It feels like we're like 50% the same and 50% different. And I think what the outside world sees is that 50% that would look so different. But the reason that we see each other so well and the reason that we're vibing the way we are is because, first of all, I want to just name, we both lead with extroverted intuition, but we have introverted sensing, which is called memory as fourth function. It's the three-year-old function. So we totally believe that we'll land on our feet, like however it changes and wherever it goes. And we started off the conversation by saying, oh yeah, I'm like a train and I'm just laying down the railroad track as I'm moving, knowing that the track will appear before I actually get there. And that's what extroverted intuition does, which makes the rest of the world think we're crazy. And sometimes we are. Every once in a while, we don't get that last railroad tie down and there's like a crash, but we pick up, dust ourselves off and we just get the train moving again. And that introverted sensing piece, these are the people that also over 50% of the population leads with introverted sensing. These are the people who have, they basically keep the world going in a way that's, you know, going to be sustainable. They're like our supply chain managers. They're like our operations people. They are the people that keep 
business in business. And they can do the same thing forever and ever and always. And that's oh actually very sustainable for their nervous system, but they will also get stale. So they need to pull in, they have extroverted intuition in that three-year-old function. So they need to build that up. Whereas we have to remember that rooting is still important. And when yeah. we ground and when we root, that's actually when we can access the unconscious powers that we have. And that's when we start pulling in the traits from the shadow that we don't identify with, but we can actually start creating this alchemical, beautiful transformation. But if we stay in the chaos of extroverted intuition, we aren't going to get there. That introverted sensing, that rooting component has to be honored. And we need to be more conscious of it because it has about the capacity of a three-year-old when we're not paying attention. Yeah. And that's definitely, um, I can definitely relate to that in the last three years. Again, it was beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. Traveling the world for the last three years as a digital nomad was amazing. And I have so many wonderful friends around the world and so many great experiences and memories and like mystical experiences. And like the retreats I went to were out of this world. Like I wouldn't change it for anything. And what I started to observe was that every time I moved, again, you're starting over. Every time you move, you like, I'm not traveling with things like plates and cutlery, right? So every time I moved, there was this like this rerouting stage. And in that rerouting stage, my nervous system was actually very stressed because I'm not staying in hotels. We're like getting long-term rentals every time, right? Because I'm who wants to live in a hotel for three years like you. So and Airbnbs are not what they used to be, um, unfortunately. And so we were getting long-term rentals and there was just always this stage of like chaos. You know, usually I managed, I think I got it down to a, a fucking science. I think I got it down to like a month where I can really like land and figure everything about life out in, in about a month. But at first it took like three months, four months, like where are my friends? Where are my hangout spots? Where do I go to get internet? How do I get a cell phone? How do I get a bank account? How do I do the visa thing? Am I even legally allowed to stay here? Am I allowed to legally work here? Like all of these things that people really take for granted took so much of my energy and so much of my mental capacity that I wasn't really in like a performing or really myself stage until the latter half of being somewhere. And by then I was like sick of the place and I was ready to fucking move again. So that's another reason why it's like kind of that the washing machine is because I was constantly like uprooting and landing and uprooting and landing and and uprooting and landing. And maybe that was the wrong way to digital nomad. Maybe I just did it wrong. Who knows? But at the end of the day, I really started to see, wow, there's value in having a home, like an actual home. You know, there's value in having something that is mine that I can build, that I can come home to. And yeah, I can still go travel the world for six months, but like there's a, having a place to come back to. And that route is actually super important for me to perform at my best. And as soon as I admitted that to myself, which was very hard, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I actually kind of do want a little bit of a normal life. And I do want a home where I can like root and my dog, I don't have to worry about what, whether she's legally allowed in the country and blah, blah, blah. Once I admitted that to myself, I feel like so much of my intuitive capacity started turning online again. And I feel like so much of me just like had this big sigh of like somatic and somatics is a big part of the sexual work that I do. I feel like my whole body, I didn't realize how tense I had been for three years. I had been running in like adrenal fatigue, almost the way that I had been in corporate, but like of my own design, because I was just creating chaos in my life for no reason. And now that I'm here and I feel like my nervous system is settling, I'm like, oh, I'm writing again. And I have so much more inspiration and I'm making deeper connections with people. And it just feels really fucking good, like better than I thought it would. Well, and you're talking about self-preservation blind spot work right now. So all mm. of the things that you're doing are the things that I overdid in the first half of my life. I mean, I've lived in the same house, you know, in the same suburb well, I did move once, I, but I mean, one house for 12 and a half years, and I'm going to be in this house for 12 and a half years, like 20 minutes away from each other. Like it's been really, mm. really stable, which has been good for my four kids. I mean, has been good for my medical practice, the patients that I take care of, but it's got a shift for me. But it's just funny when you're like, okay, I went from here to here to here. And even as I'm imagining this footloose and fancy free life. I'm already imagining 
okay, well, where am I going to go live? What am I going to buy? Where will I root for a year? You know what I mean? Or like, how will I always make sure I have a route? But also mm-hmm. more like it's like a tether point, not somewhere that I'm going to stay like I have here. And that's just my sexual blind spot work is that I've got to have that ability to be in my extroverted intuition and accessing my creativity and flow because I get too stagnant being in Mm. one place. So that's a perfect example of when we do blind spot work and you just gave listeners such a great narrative of what self-preservation blind spot work can look like and then the beauties and like what unleashes. And this is why ultimately we want to have all three instinctual energies balanced. And notice we haven't talked a lot about social instinctual energy because that's middle for both of us, which means we're good enough at it. It's not going to give us problems and it's not something we have to consciously attend to. Although that's not completely true, like as extroverted intuition, we know that we're fast talkers and we can often talk our way out of just about anything, but we piss people off and that's the social middle. Those are the blind spots. So once we kind of make sure that the dominant and the blind spot aren't like blowing up our lives. Now we can do the more subtle tweaking, like interrupting less that the social instinct might, you know, benefit us with that we've seen Mm -hmm. in our own lived experience. Yeah. When I feel like, I think that for me, the social aspect specifically as somebody that, you know, grew up in a environment where it was really important to be intuitive and aware of the energy and particularly the emotions of the people around me for like physical safety reasons. I learned very effectively how to read a room, read social cues, like almost too effectively to the point where I had to decondition some like trauma responses if somebody like breathed the wrong way or like looked the wrong way. Like that was some of the work that I had to do. But that really played very nicely for me into, you know, corporate, especially as someone that, you know, built a career in sales and and has always been very interested in psychology, my university degrees in psychology. And so I was always very intrigued by like how people move, how they communicate and really reading between the lines and like feeling the energy of what's not being said made me very good at connecting with people and feeling them very, very deeply. However, it's not a natural state it is a a learned, really a trauma response. Like I learned that skill because I had to, to survive when I was much younger. And then it happened, it just happened to become very useful (laughs) in corporate, but it's not my natural state. My natural state is to be like, here's who I am. This is me. I don't want to have to worry about how you're going to receive me because that's annoying to me. Like I want to just be able to be me. And if you don't like it, that's fine. There's 8 fucking billion people on this planet. I don't need you to like me. But I had the, that's one of the things I've had to really peel off that layer is that, that conditioning piece that said, no, 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 no. What other people think about you matters because you might get thrown down a flight of stairs if you don't know what they're thinking about you. So you have to care about that. And that piece I really had to like, I, and still it's a piece I have to learn to like consciously release. Like, this is my not self. This is not who I am. This is not who I choose to be. This is not my natural state. This is a learned trauma response. I'm a grown ass woman now. Nobody's going to throw me down a flight of stairs. I'm not going to get physically injured if somebody doesn't like what I say on Instagram and I can like breathe through that. I think that's so beautiful. And what I'm noticing is that I'm sad that we never even got to talk about your work as a sexologist or a metaphysical (laughs) philosopher. So I have patience because I have this regular day job that I now have to go to instead of being in this amazingly sexual instinctual zone conversation that we're having here with all of our extroverted intuition. So we're going to wrap for today, but I'm really hopeful that we can do this again because I just feel like you've given us so many beautiful lessons. And a lot of what this podcast is, is also just helping the typology community to see how different types are going to express. And I think that this is really great learning for the library out there to just see how two threes, because I'm going to go ahead and say that I think you're a three, Okay. one in ENFP and one in ENTP, one sexual dominant, one self-pres dominant, like how that shows up. So I think it's really interesting. And I'm going to even plop out there. I bet you have a two wing. I have a two wing as well. And what that is, is the helper energy. And you help Mm. people sexually, and I'm helping people as a physician. And what else am I looking at? You know, the three with a two wing has a little bit more 
of an up energy, whereas the three with a four wing has a little bit more withdrawn energy. So just for listeners, as you guys are pulling all of this in, I also want to thank you for introducing us to astrology and human design. I'm really curious and want to keep learning. And thank you, Stephanie. Any last words for us today? Mm, My last words for you guys is to just do you, whatever that is for you. I love that. Thank you, Stephanie. We'll talk soon. Thank you. If you're enjoying these episodes, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and various Android platforms. If you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps a lot. If you have any questions you'd like to address in a future episode, please email me at social at karenansmd.com. I also offer a wide variety of services at my practice, including typology, Enneagram coaching, nonviolent communication training, and mindfulness trainings for working with stress, anxiety, and food cravings. Please visit my website at karenancemd.com to schedule a free 30-minute consultation if you'd like to work with me in any way. We also have the opportunity for free classes. 